Good morning, Europe, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, John, on to another busy sporting weekend. We'll start with football. Week 28 of the English Premier League saw some big results occur at the bottom and the top of the league as Newcastle defeated Nottingham Forest 2-1, while Aston Villa brushed aside Bournemouth 3-0, and Leeds United beat 10-man Wolverhampton 4-2, while Everton earned a point against Chelsea as they drew 2-2, and Southampton earned a dramatic point against Tottenham with a 3-3 draw, while Arsenal increased their lead at the top with a as they defeated Crystal Palace 4-1. So, Jono, some massive results at the bottom, especially Southampton earning a late equaliser and Everton getting a point away at Chelsea. Yeah, huge. I mean, I, I think I'm really looking at that Tottenham game because that's not only points gained there in a sense for Southampton, but also just a massive uh, just hit to Tottenham uh, right now for their quest to be in that top four. And I mean, it just seems that things just go wrong there at that club. I mean, Antonio Conte doesn't seem to be the right person for them. Harry Kane, I feel bad for him as well because he seems to be on a, a track to to not win again um, and not even be competitive at times as well. So um, hopefully they can kind of get things together. But, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. And then Arsenal as well, securing a great win. They definitely needed that to kind of give themselves a little bit more of a boost there up top. Yeah, extraordinary rant by Antonio Conte after that Spurs game. Yeah. Lynch, what happens uh, in the next few weeks with them. It was also FA Cup quarterfinals in England over the weekend. Manchester City destroyed Burnley 6-0. Sheffield United defeated Blackburn Rovers 3-2. Brighton defeated Grimsby Town 5-0, while Manchester United defeated Fulham 3-1, meaning the semi-finals will be Manchester City taking on Sheffield United and Brighton taking on Manchester United. So potentially a Manchester derby there for the final in the FA Cup. Well, football and some huge clashes around the globe over the weekend. In Italy, it was headlined by two massive derbies as Lazio down Roma 1-0 and Juventus beat Inter Milan 1-0 while AC Milan were upset by Udinese 3-1 and Napoli just extended their lead at the top as they thrashed Torino 4-0 while the Clasico headlined the fixtures in Spain as Barcelona edged Real Madrid 2-1 while Atletico Madrid recorded a convincing 3-0 win over Valencia. In Germany, Borussia Dortmund have gone top as they crushed FC Cologne 6-1, while Bayern Munich lost to Bayer Leverkusen 2-1, while table-topping PSG suffered a surprise loss to Rennes 2-0 at home in France, uh, while Celtic maintained their nine-point lead over Rangers. They defeated Hibernian 3-1, and Rangers defeated Motherwell 4-2 in Scotland. So, Jono, some massive clashes across the globe and some big results, um, especially at the top and in that top four as we've spoken about in Italy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was huge. Essentially, Juventus were able to strip some points away from Inter as well as Lazio as well as you kind of talked about against Roma. But I mean, I think it's it's all for the taking there in that two, three, four spot. Um, even now, Juventus potentially even making a case that if they win out for the next couple games here, they they could somehow crack in there even with that 15 point deduction too, which will be absolutely crazy and just shows that this year. No one but Napoli wants to win Serie A for some reason. So quite crazy. Um, and then as well, I think it's so good for German football that now it is officially on. There is, we talked about it that it was tight, but now the fact that Dortmund is leading means that Bayern needs to bring their A game not only in the Champions League, but also domestically domestically as well. So I think it's fantastic for Germans uh, for the Bundesliga. 
and also little Union Berlin is sitting sitting just five points behind. So they are they're still mm. sitting in there in terms of uh, on the coattails of the two big teams in Germany. A League here in Australia, match week twenty one. Adelaide United thrashed Wellington Phoenix five one. Brisbane defeated Western United one nil. Newcastle and Perth drew two two. Western Sydney destroyed Sydney FC four nil in the derby here in Sydney on Saturday night. Melbourne victory upset Central Coast two nil. While Macarthur and Melbourne City drew one one. Melbourne meaning Melbourne City stay top, followed by Adelaide and Western Sydney. Women's A League match week eighteen. Adelaide and Newcastle drew two two. Melbourne City and Sydney FC drew one one. Perth defeated Wellington one nil. Canberra and Melbourne drew one one. Melbourne victory. And Western Sydney defeated Brisbane Raw 3-1, meaning Western United State top, followed by Sydney FC and Melbourne City. Rugby League, John NRL round three. Some of the biggest headlines to come out of it. Parramatta and the West Tigers remaining winless after three rounds, while Melbourne lose two in a row after going down to the Gold Coast. We don't often see that, obviously, uh, missing Cameron Munster at the moment. The Sydney Roosters downed South Sydney in their fiery clash Um at Allianz Stadium on Friday night, while the Cowboys were upset by the New Zealand Warriors in Townsville. So, Jono, some fantastic uh, rugby league played over the weekend and some big results as well as the goal, as well as um, some results not going to script. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not too early in a sense to to start panicking. I think you kind of can start panicking a little bit if you're Parramatta um, off to a really, really bad start for the year. I mean, now you've dropped three games. It's it's going to be you drop one or two more and you're really going to be crawling out of quite a deep hole. So real unfortunate for them. And then, I mean, I think it was a fantastic display as well um, by the um, by the Roosters. I think they were able to, to show up in that game, which was absolutely fantastic, but still very good effort by um by the Rabbitohs as well. You can't always count them out. They're always in there to to win, and um, they played a great, great match as well. And also the Redcliffe Dolphins, they continue to deliver yes. another victory over Newcastle, top of the table. Who would have thought that after three rounds? Um, and the big game against the Brisbane Broncos this Friday night, they're already expecting a near sellout for that at Suncorp, so there should be a great occasion for Rugby League and Queensland up there. AFL also kicked off over the weekend, round one. Um, and some big headlines to come out of there. Collingwood defeating last year's premiers, the Geelong Cats, uh, in, in at the MCG on Friday. Well, the opening match of the year ended in a draw between Richmond and Carlton, while Sydney started the year with a convincing win over the Gold Coast, while Port Adelaide recorded a good win over Brisbane as well. And Melbourne started their year strong with a good win over the Western Bulldogs. But Jono, um, obviously a big clash between Collingwood and Geelong. We saw massive crowds out at Melbourne. Um, and the opening match of the year ending in a draw, we don't often see that. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's quite remarkable, but I mean, good efforts from both Richmond and Carlton to be able to to put that type of display. Um, you're right, especially in the opening fixture. I feel like that's just even more of an odd occurrence to be ending in a draw. But um, look for Sydney in particular when we're looking at you know the Sydney side team, which we are here locally. Uh, great, great start to the season. Realistically, it's his pretty convincing win as well. I feel like overall, great, great start because you know as we saw last year, it came down to very, very slim pickings when you look at that kind of top of the food chain there. So um, great to see them off to a hot start. Um, but definitely looking forward to this AFL season. I think this first opening round really showed that it's going to be a great year across the board, and there's a lot of teams in there for the hunt. 
Yeah, great to have it back. Rugby Union, and it was Super Rugby Pacific Round 4. The Wellington Hurricanes defeated the New South Wales Waratahs 34-17. The Chiefs defeated the Melbourne Rebels 44-25. The Canterbury Crusaders defeated the Auckland Blues 34-28. The ACT Brumbies smashed Moana Pacifica 62-36. The Highlanders defeated the Western Force 43-35, while the Reds, Queensland Reds, edged Fiji and drew at 27-24, meaning the Chiefs sit top, followed by the Brumbies and Hurricanes. Six Nations also finished over the weekend, and Ireland completed the Grand Slam with a 29-16 win over England, while France defeated Wales 41-28, and Scotland beat Italy 26-14. Cricket, it was the second one-day international uh, of the series between India and Australia, and Australia won by 10 wickets as India were bowled out for 117, Australia making none for 121 to level the series 1-1, heading into the third and deciding match in Chennai on Wednesday. UFC 286 in London took centre stage and British fighter Leon Edwards retained his welterweight title after he defeated Nigerian Kamaru Usman uh, after he won the bout by majority decision. But a great fight there at UFC 286. F1 in Saudi Arabia taking centre stage uh, in this weekend and Sergio Perez from Red Bull took it out uh, ahead of teammate Max Verstappen with Fernando Alonso finishing third in his Aston Martin. So a big win there for Sergio Perez and obviously stamping um, his early intentions of being right up there in terms of the Drivers' Championship. Netball, a super netball round one over the weekend here in Australia. The Collingwood Magpies defeated the New South Wales Swifts 71 to 63. The West Coast Fever defeated the Melbourne Vixens 62 to 61. The Sunshine Coast Lightning defeated the Giants 66 to 50. Horse racing and Shinzo took out Saturday's golden slippy here at Rose Hill Racecourse in Sydney. Uh, in English jockey delivered trainer Chris Waller's first ever golden slipper. So a great win there for Chris Waller. And Shinzo, basketball, John, obviously a result that happened last week, but the NBL, the Sydney Kings, crowned champions after defeating the New Zealand Breakers 77-69 in Game 5 of the Championship Series. Another record crowd out here in Sydney. How good was it to see people going out to watch the basketball, John, and what a great series between, obviously, the two best teams this year of the NBL. Yeah, I mean, it was a great series. As we pointed out, whenever you get a series that goes all the way, it just makes it even better. And the fact that the attendance was so high throughout the whole series and even more so pretty much throughout the whole playoff series as well, um, I think is absolutely incredible. It really shows that the game is growing. I think, you know, internationally as well, slowly the NBL is being recognized as another pathway for for athletes to kind of come through um, and and progress. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. It really has shown that it's it's a higher quality league. And I actually think that this final series in particular was of high quality across the board to both teams playing lights out most games. Most games are quite tight as well. Um, so absolutely fantastic to see. And the Kings just continue to reign dominance on the NBL. So it'll be interesting when we finally see that team that can crack them and um, we can get the next great dynasty in the in NBL. Yeah, we're going to see if the Kings can go three-peat next season. NBA, John Boston clinched their playoff berth, uh, while Joel Embiid is now favourite for the Kia MVP. We've seen, obviously, how well he's uh, finishing the regular season at the moment. Golden State Warriors slipping a little bit in regards to their playoff chances, while my Lakers still pushing for that 10th spot, but at this stage, sitting just outside. Yeah, we're getting a couple teams slowly, in particular in the East, clinching their playoff spots. And as you kind of point out as well, Joel Embiid, 
in terms of being a potential for the MVP award. It's going to be really interesting as well because it looks like that the um, NBA might be changing the rules for next year as well and putting in some minimums um, in terms of how many games a player can play to get these individual awards because we see a player like Joel Embiid sometimes who gets that kind of load management and who sits out from time to time. So they're seeing about that and how that will affect things. I don't think it clearly won't affect voting this year. Um, but it'll be really interesting. But I love the fact that it's against two big men, basically. Um, you know, it's it's either Jokic or Embiid, I feel like, at this point. Potentially, Giannis is still in there. So no matter what, most likely we're going to have another big man taking out the MVP for the NBA, which I think is fantastic because we've grown to get used to these three-point shooters, this, that. But I like that the big men are starting to take back over the NBA. I think it's great for the game to see, again, that kind of change of style once more. Yeah, it's great to see. And obviously, great to see Joel Embiid in such rich form. Well, John, another big headline uh, that took centre stage, in, especially in the football world last week, was the uh, draws for the Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference Leagues. Obviously, the quarterfinal draw taking place. We'll focus on the Champions League to start with, Jono. And what a draw this was. One side hugely stacked with, obviously, probably your favourites to, to possibly win the league, while the Italian teams will be rejoicing uh, in regards to how the draws turned out. So to, to look back at the draw, we've got Real Madrid taking on Chelsea. Well, also on that side of the draw, we've got Manchester City taking on Bayern Munich. So obviously the winner of either of those ties will verse each other in the semifinals. While on the other side, we've got Benfica taking on Inter Milan and AC Milan taking on Napoli. So before we get look at the draw a little bit closer, what did you make of this? And obviously, what did you make of one side being stacked. And obviously the Italian teams, there's a huge opportunity there now to have an Italian team in a final, which we haven't seen uh, for a little bit since Juventus. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta be happy for the Italian, for Serie A at this point. I mean, that's, that's what I kind of saw this right away. I was like, how good is this? There's a 75% chance that there's going to be an Italian team in the finals. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Look, there's, there's multiple teams to choose from in terms of the Italian representation, but at this point, I would love to just see Napoli be able to get to the Champions League final, dominate in Serie A, and just have a great groundbreaking year, essentially. Um, but on the other side, oh man, your initial thoughts are just what some crazy matchups we have. All those those could be finals. You know, you got Real Madrid versus Chelsea. That could be a final. You have Bayern Munich versus Man City, probably the two heaviest of hitters in the competition going against each other in a quarterfinal just makes for exciting matchups. And as well, when you tee up in Champions League football, two teams that go against each other domestically, so is that little bit of an extra edge in rivalry as well in that AC versus Inter too. So I think it's just going to be absolutely um, absolutely fantastic. Or sorry, AC versus Napoli. I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. But um, overall, it's just for if you're an Italian Serie A fan, you got to just be happy. I think that's my biggest takeaway is I'm so happy with this because hopefully we will get some representation there in the finals. The other thing that's been, I guess, extraordinary about this year's Champions League, Jono, is many of the teams in this quarterfinal aren't necessarily travelling that well domestically. We saw Real Madrid there 12 points behind Barcelona now after that Clasico loss. Chelsea are mid-table. Obviously, we know the struggles they've had under Graham Potter and all the new players that have come in. Manchester City, the last couple of results have been a little bit more of what we've got used to, but we've seen their struggles this year a little bit hot and cold compared to what we're used to with City. Bayern Munich dropping points, sitting second in Germany. Probably the only team that's really been consistent this year has been Napoli, obviously running away with the Italian league. Many people's real dark horse potentially for this title, the first time they've made the quarterfinals. 
But do you think that obviously adds a little extra edge to these quarterfinals in regards to not knowing exactly what way they will go? And we've seen teams like Real Madrid just lift that extra edge, especially when it comes to the Champions League, regardless of what their domestic form looks like. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's kind of can go two ways. One, they do have a lack of inexperience. Don't get me wrong. There's that lack of inexperience there in terms of winning this competition, right? But at the same same time, they're doing so well in Serie A that they have an opportunity to be able to rest some players and really just focus on this because they don't necessarily have the depth as well as they've already made it so far that I'm sure a lot of the fans will be very happy with the fact that they've been able to get this far too. So you're looking at it as a perspective of, you know, you you got to just put in what you can and get as far as possible. Um, but yes, you're right. In terms of the pedigree of the competition, in terms of looking at historically, Real Madrid, clearly they just put it into another notch. And almost for them as well, the status of their league now pretty much being out of their grasp, again, might benefit them as well because they know they can't win the league. Whereas you look at Man City and Bayern, they both potentially have a shot to win their league. So they're going to have to manage their players across both. Yes, those are probably the two squads with the greatest depth, but they're still going to now manage the load of the players in these next month or so to really balance that out. So kind of works hand in hand. I almost like the inexperience of Napoli right now too when it comes to Champions League because it just makes it all more exciting that you don't know what you're going to get. Are they going to get scared, a bit rattled, or are they going to just come to play, play freely like they've normally been playing and just bring it to opponents and just just take it home? I agree, John. I think when you even look at their clash against AC Milan, we know AC Milan's pedigree in Europe, but this is a different Milan team to what has come before. Yeah. A young team, we've seen their struggles this year in regards to when they won the league last year and, and not being able to back up that same performance this year. Napoli, as you said, they're just flying and they can start affording to rest plays in terms of their squad isn't as big as, as some of these other teams. In terms of resting resting players such as Osman, who has been so yeah. immense yep. for them and, and keeping him fresh for the Champions League, they can start affording to do that. These other teams, they can't. Man City and Bayern Munich, they're in a title race. We may see with Real Madrid, now that they're 12 points behind, we'll be interested to see what Ancelotti does in terms of his rotation and regards to resting Benzema, Vinicius Jr., those key players that obviously um, will need to be at their best to, to win this. The other team that's really intriguing, Jono, is, is seeing Benfica. I think it's great to see a Portuguese team. And Benfica this year have earned their way to this point. We saw them finish uh, in a group with, with PSG, um, and top that group. So in terms of their pedigree, we know they've got pedigree in Europe. We know they're flying in Portugal. They're not going to be an easy game, and they're going to look at that Inter Milan team and, and really back themselves to potentially make a semi-final. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the game against Inter is, is very much winnable for them. They're playing really, really good football right now. And again, they're not just playing really good football domestically, but they are playing as well at the Champions League level. As you said, they've come against some good good teams and they've been able to still come out victorious and that shows a lot to them i think individually as well they do have some really up-and-coming players um you know you look at someone as in terms of like ramos or players like that who are quite up and coming at the moment so um yeah it's really good i think overall it's it's a really good draw for the competition because what this means is we're gonna get a bit of a fresh breath in that final no matter what so i think that what this draw does is it allows a bit of freshness new new teams in there that haven't been in there as of recent let's say um, so I think it's really fantastic for the competition as to where it goes, regardless of who's in the final. So, yes, it should be an amazing four quarterfinals there in the Champions League. But also last week there was the Europa League draw as well. 
Uh, Feyenoord will take on Roma. So Jose Mourinho's AS Roma there. Juventus will take on Sporting at Lisbon. Manchester United versus Sevilla, who we know are struggling in Spain. Or Bayer Leverkusen will take on Union St. Gilles um, in their quarterfinal class. So, John, some intriguing clashes there. And we know the winner of Manchester United versus Sevilla will play the winner of Juventus versus Sporting Lisbon, potentially setting up a Manchester United-Roma final, um, which would be intriguing, obviously, with Jose Mourinho coming up against his former club. But, um, yeah, some intriguing uh, clashes there in the Europa League as well. Yeah, I think that the biggest matchup that I'm looking for, not just because I am a Juventus fan, but I think is that Juventus versus Sporting. I think that's going to be a fantastic matchup. And if not, two of the potential teams that could really go all the way in Europa as well. And then it is setting up for realistically when you look at kind of how the rounds have been drawn. I think the winner is going to be decided off of that one side that has Juventus Sporting and Manchester Sevilla as well. I think the winner is going to be on that side realistically. I do think Roma should get through. Um, Byron Levinkusen as well has been playing some great football too, but I just don't know if they're as strong as those teams as well. So overall, I think it's going to just come down to can they get past the first matchup? And then if they do potentially match up, I think Juventus United would be a tasty, tasty matchup. So I'd be really looking forward to that. Um, But look, I think overall it's it's pretty consistent across the board. They're all going to have some good matchups. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Normally, to be quite honest, I don't um, tune in too much to Europa League, but I will kind of tune in definitely for this because I think there's some pretty good matchups that are going to play out some good games as well. Yeah, some big clubs uh, in the Europa League as well. And as we touched on earlier, John, for those Italian clubs, it could be potentially a way into the Champions League next year, depending, obviously, if Juventus get those 15 points back. And obviously, we know Roma's in a battle for the the top four there in Italy, but um, it's very tight. So, um, obviously, there's that big carrot there for the, the club that does win the Europa League to obviously advance through the Champions League. As I said, should be some... Intriguing matchups there. Fine order flying in uh, the Dutch league. And we know what Sporting Lisbon uh, can do, obviously, when they knocked out Arsenal uh, last round as well. The last, I guess, draw was the Europa Conference League. Obviously, you know, the uh, newly integrated third uh, European uh, competition. Uh, we've got Ghent versus West Ham, uh, Baal versus Nice, Lech Poznan versus Fiorentina and Anderlecht versus AZ Alkmaar. So obviously a lot of interest around West Ham. We know their struggles in the Premier League, uh, but potentially uh, could be bringing some European success uh, there to West Ham, which would be huge for that club and David Moyes, uh, obviously hoping they avoid the the drop as well. But, Jono, that is the wrap of, I guess, the big quarterfinals. Should be some great football played there. Um, and it'll be intriguing to see how those first legs go. Well, I think you've got the five questions this week, Jono. You'll be asking yep. me. Yep. Are you ready for them? Let's go, mate. All right. So we got a range of things today. So first off, let's start with the AFL. If you can pick one team, just one, who is the most that impressed you most on week one, the opening week of the AFL season? Who impressed you the most? I'm actually going to t- say St. Kilda. Okay. Uh, about eight or nine players out of their team who would be regularly in their team. And they beat Fremantle, who many people have picked uh, to be potentially a top four team this year under uh, under Ross Lyons. So I think St Kilda uh, on Sunday afternoon, very impressive in their victory um, over Fremantle. Um, and obviously a great encouraging start uh, to the year, considering 
uh, the injury problems they've had uh, coming into the season. No, that's fair. That's a fair call. Now, switching over to the NRL, the Dolphins, as we talked about, they're sitting there on the top of the table. They're now going to be coming up against the Brisbane Broncos, who are also right there at the table. Who are you going to pick, what, Dolphins or Broncos? I'm going to continue this Dolphin fairy tale and say they can go four out of four. I think it's going to be an amazing clash. It's a Dolphins home game, even though it is being played at Suncorp. Last I heard, there were already 35 to 40,000 tickets sold. I think with the That's Dolphins awesome. winning this weekend and the Broncos winning, I think we're going to get a near sellout at Suncorp. So it should be a great, um, a great scene there on Friday night in Brisbane. Um, but I'm going to go the Dolphins continue the fairy tale. But it should be, a, it should be hopefully a cracking game there. Yeah, regardless, it's going to be good atmosphere. Switching over to football, we had Erlen Holland scoring seven goals in two matches, which now takes him over 40 goals for the season. Do you think that he's going to reach 50 or 60 this year? What are you going to go with? He's not that far. I think he's on 42. 42, yeah. The season. So I think he'll definitely reach 50 unless he goes on a, a bit of a goal-scoring drought. I'm going to go he's going to hit 60 this year. Yeah. Considering what Man City is still in, especially if they progress in the Champions League, and I think if they do progress in the Champions League, he's going to have a big part uh, to say in that. And obviously, their Premier League running, there's still plenty of games to go. So I can't see Harlan not uh, not getting near 60, um, considering the way he, he has scored, and he's been phenomenal um, this year for City. Yeah, I think the thing is, is if they go deep in the Champions League, that's a potential of another five games there that he can score one or two at least, and then it's going to just keep getting him closer. So it could be an absolute record-breaking season in terms of goals this year. Um, switching over to basketball, the NBL ch- champion and also MVP, Xavier Cooks has already made his NBA debut. He played four minutes for the Washington Wizards in his opening game. Do you think he's actually going to be successful in the NBA now that he's made that switch? I hope he is. Because I think what it will do, not only obviously for his career, but I think it'll, uh, as we sort of mentioned before, bring the NBL really into the the forefront and and show that players in this league can potentially uh, move to the NBA from the NBL. So I do hope he, he is a success. Obviously, it's going to be tough. It's, it's another huge step up in terms of quality going from the NBL to the NBA. Um, but I thought, I think, I think he's got the game. Um, but obviously he's going to have to have the confidence and and um, be able to handle uh, that extra pressure that's in the NBA. But as I said, hopefully for his career, as well as for the NBL in terms of a brand, I think it would be great if he's a success. All right. And last one, a little bit of pop culture here in that sense. Who would you rather support your team, Drake or Kim Kardashian? Sim, Kim Kardashian lose two for two so see. far this she was at the Arsenal game and yeah, she was at the Arsenal game and PSG game. I saw her over the so, weekend. Who are you taking to back your team if you got to choose? I'm going to say Drake, even though even though he's a he's a bad omen for most teams that he follows, and he seems to have he seems to follow every single uh, NBA team uh, in the league. You see him with a different jersey all the time. But I'm going to say out of those two, I'm going to say Drake. But uh, I hope you don't see him with a Manchester United jersey at the end of this year at any time because uh, as I said, he seems to bring. Uh, bad vibes to any team that he follows yeah both of them have a little bit of uh bad bad juju following them so we'll see yes uh, we'll uh we'll see if we see drake with uh any different jerseys at the end of this year well that brings the end of another episode of behind the lights with me seb and me Jono. 
As always, thank you for your support and good night. <laughs>